on the ref. But no Ted Lehman today because it's Wednesday. That means Travis Davidson joins me from 3 to 6 today. What's going on, Trav? Um, I know that you're heading to Fort Worth on Saturday. Will this be your first ever trip to a TCU football game? It will. It will. You know, hey. uh, again, a lot of my uh, a lot of my time uh, in the restaurant industry. It's it's funny. I was like, you know what? I want to open a sports bar because that's that's where I want to hang out. Well, turns out your busiest days whenever you own a sports bar are OU games, yeah. so you don't get to go to a ton of them. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really excited yeah. for it. I'm actually working on setting up something post game. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, uh, for now, I will be doing um, just. Pre-game and then post-game, who, who knows where we're going to be at. But I will be on with you, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's going to be fun. So uh, if you're down in the Fort Worth area, uh, go hang out with Travis. He'll be, what, at the Squire shop from yep. 8 to 10 that morning, and we'll let you know when we nail down our post-game spot. If you're in OKC or Tulsa or Norman or Moore or wherever, uh, the KREF Watch Party is going to be at Bandy's Barbecue. That's where I'm going to be for the entirety of the football game. So, I'm going to bring some t-shirts out there. I'm going to bring some koozies out there. Um, come hang out with me. Watch OUTCU for the 11 a.m. kickoff. Going to do the post-game show there from Bandy's. Uh, we're going to have a whole lot of fun. Don't have to go to Fort Worth uh, to get your OU fix. Just uh, head up to Bandy's Barbecue in North OKC. And I'm just going to tell you, if you're in the mood for barbecue, and you should be, Bandy's is really, really, really good. Um, I've been to Ammon G. Carter Stadium twice and once was for a night game, and it was a decent atmosphere. But the last time I was uh, in Fort Worth for a uh, OUTCU game was Kyler's year in 2018. Oddly enough, the kickoff time was 11 a.m. that day, Travis, hmm. and I was standing outside the stadium with like 15, 20 minutes before kickoff, and I legit thought to myself, do these people know that there's a football game being played today? Because it does not feel like it. It does not feel like anyone's here. All that to say, and maybe since this is going to be OU's last trip there for quite some time, maybe it's going to be a packed house, but in no way is this going to be the most intense road environment you face this year. No, and it, well, and I wouldn't expect it to be. Kind of when you look at the um, just surrounding area, I was checking out places uh, to call to see if they you know, wanted to do a remote or anything like that, and man, it's not, it's not really... You know, when we were in Lincoln, it was, you know, next to this big bar district and this incredible basketball arena, you know, concert venue type situation, um, and just a really cool area for game day. Um, didn't really see that on the map at TCU. Now I could be mistaken. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, a lot of neighborhoods around the stadium. So so not exactly the atmosphere that you would hope for. But uh, who knows? There might be – I mean, I expect there to be a good amount of OU fans there considering – I don't know. I mean, it's maybe our last time to be there uh, in a long, long time. I can't imagine TCU is going to get uh, one of those non-conference games. And uh, obviously a lot of OU fans are in that kind of DFW area, uh, seeming as it's so close to Norman. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of OU uh, fans in the, uh, in the Metroplex will definitely be there. It, it's a cool stadium. I mean, it's a cute little stadium. It's a cute. nice I'm little sure, environment. I'm sure when they built it, they really wanted cute Seriously, walk in there Saturday and tell me if you don't say the first thing you say is, oh, this is a cute little stadium. Oh, this is nice. 55. Yeah, they did a good job with this. It's a cute little football facility. No, it, 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 I mean, it, it, it is cool. I just, I, again, it, this is not going to be Lincoln, Nebraska. But we can sit here and talk about every single angle of this game, and I'm sure that we're going to <laughs> leading up to 
11 a.m. on Saturday. But here's the main point, Travis, or at least what I believe. Despite what we saw last week against Kansas State, it's all about OU in this game, man. Yes, TCU's yes. 3-0. and Yeah, they got a new coaching staff and a lot of momentum. But I believe OU's the better football team here. If you get a drastically different performance than what you got last week, and we see maybe the real version of OU step up on Saturday, they're going to win the football game. And I'm not saying that TCU doesn't have some players that can keep it close, but I have little doubt going into this game who the better team is. And the hope is that OU reverts back to at least what I think what they really are. And what I think what they really are is a lot better team than what they showed against K-State. Right. I mean, you heard uh, um, Braden Willis say it. You heard a few others say it. Look, we were a couple plays from breaking that thing wide open. Kansas State played well. We played poorly, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, I touched on this. You know, early in the year, we had a real vanilla defense, you know, everything. We didn't send a lot of pressure. And then as kind of Nebraska came around, we sent some linebackers on pressure. Um, and then this game with Kansas State, we kind of brought pressure from everywhere. And I think it caused a lot of bad angles, a lot of uh, really late blitzes that didn't get there. Saw running backs and Adrian Martinez get right by it. Uh, so you wonder if uh, the coaching staff kind of reins in a little bit of that pressure uh, because, you know, this is a tough defense, complex defense. Got a lot of young guys looking to learn it all at the same time. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Brent's going to make the adjustments he needs to. Um, Ted Roof's going to make the adjustments he needs to. And, and I think the offense – knows what to do. I mean, like I said, a couple plays here and there, we put up a 50-burger out there. So, Yeah, um, you know, what's interesting is I, I don't think that this game Saturday is going to be the toughest or one of the three toughest games that you play. But could you, like, buy into an argument that this could be maybe the most important game OU plays all year long? Again, it's not the toughest, and it's not a rivalry game by any stretch of the imagination – but it's the first game after a loss in a game where I think you're, you played, you're going to play your poorest game of the year. I, I don't think that we're going to see that type of performance again. Like, could you see a point where this is the most important game of the year on Saturday just to see how not only if they respond but how well they respond? Or no? Yeah, I mean, the, the cliche is, uh, you know, the, the next week's game is always the most important game of the season, right? Um, but, you know, a lot of us said early in the year, you know, we were asked, hey, what's your record prediction? What's your record prediction? Nobody, actually, somebody might have said 12-0, uh, and 0, but most of us 11-1, and 10-2, 11-1, 10-2. But it's funny how we can all agree on that, but then we lose to a good Kansas State team, and all of a sudden the, the sky's falling. Like, no, this we none of us knew which, which team it would be, but Kansas State looked good, and I think Kansas State's actually going to win some games this year. I know they – they overlooked uh, Tulane, uh, but I think they're a lot closer to what they played against Oklahoma than what they played against Tulane. I think they were kind of holding some stuff in and looking ahead to us. So, yeah, you know what? I think this TCU game, of course, is very important, um, mainly because it, I think it's kind of like the Nebraska game was in a sense where Venables knew, look, first, you know, road game, you know, first uh, of this of this massive rivalry that I've got to be a head coach in, all that, all eyes on us. Uh, we need to respond appropriately. Well, I think he, I think he knows that he's going to be judged really when how he responds to a loss, his first loss. That's kind of on that checklist of things you deal with as a coach. Is okay. What are they going to judge me by? How I respond to my first loss? How I have my first road game? How blah blah blah. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and, and I think it's still a, a big question, too. How good is TCU? Now, by the offensive numbers, this is the best offense they've had maybe since Trevon Boykin was quarterbacking uh, back in that magical year the Frogs had in 2014. But they played Colorado, which they're about to fire their coach, Carl Durrell. Colorado's really, really, really bad. They played Tarleton State, and they played SMU last week. So, yes, by the offensive numbers, TCU's better than they have been. I'm just not ready to crown this team or Max Duggan as an elite quarterback because of the competition that they played up to this point. But you are catching a TCU team that's got a lot to prove on Saturday. So there's a lot of, like, this is their prove-it game. And I think for OU, this is their prove-it game as well. So it's a a big, big big-time football game on Saturday. I'm always interested to see, you know, what other people, like, what, what kind of range their score predictions are in. A couple of guys from 24-7, Travis, uh, one had OU 38, TCU 34, so a high-scoring game. Another had OU 38, TCU 31. And my early week feel, I had it at uh, OU 34, TCU 27, so a little bit lower scoring. But it feels like the common belief is that, yeah, OU's going to win this game, and they're going to have good offensive numbers, but they are still going to give up some plays to this TCU offense and maybe, you know, show some weaknesses defensively. Not like last week against Kansas State, but there's still some things defensively that will go wrong. Yeah, and I'm wondering what those numbers would be had we beaten Kansas State. I think I think part of that, um, at least from, you know, a broader perspective, is, oh, this may be the same old defense, you know, could be. You know, they did the exact same thing that they've been doing against Kansas State, so – we're going to play it safe, still pick them to win, but be close. Um, you know, I, I tend to lean on the kind of the adjustments being made and seeing how close they were with, with a play here and a play there. I think this game is uh, – I think OU wins by double digits personally. Oh, you're going to lock it up? You like the OU minus six and a half is what it sounds like. Yes, I do like the I, I do like the OU minus six and a half. I mean, okay. I don't think it's going to be a situation where wow. it's, you know – I think it's around 10, 12. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to, you know, beat them by 100 or anything or even even 30 or 20. But uh, They might I, beat I like them by 100. 100, like beating them by 100 after last week. It's in the cards, Travis. You can do it. Yeah, well, you know, crazier things have happened. Kansas. You, can, you almost beat Nebraska by – you could have beaten Nebraska by 100 if you wanted to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely you could have. So, But I do like OU to bounce back. Um, I, like, uh, I like them to remain focused. Uh, focused on improvement, and you know, just just we we saw what worked, man. In the second half, it was it, we were running the ball well. Everything was working except for those pre-snap penalties. And uh, you know, as long as their PA announcer doesn't say "boomer" right when we're trying <laughs> to snap, you know, we might be in good shape. <laughs> yeah, well, they have the uh, loudest scoreboard audio that you've ever heard in your entire life. Like, th- there Oklahoma should State's not be. Is pretty loud. Oh, dude, it, it, you're right, it is. But this one at TCU is, like, ridiculous, like, over the top. Like, I don't even know how much sa- how sound, that much sound, it comes from that scoreboard that they have. So it's Well, but it's, that's, it's that's to be expected in, on the road, right? It's like, that's the thing when, when people were talking about, um, you know, well, the noise, these, these are people that are playing in 100,000-person stadiums. Yeah, but 100,000 people all yelling at the same time, okay, you know – Okay, you, you account for that, you're listening, you know, you're trying you're going silent count, all this kind of stuff. Like, if you go to a gun range and you hear gunshots, yeah, that makes sense. 
you know, if you're just out in public and you hear one, it might make you jump a little bit because you're not expecting it. It's all about when you expect the noise. So road environments where everybody's loud, we just saw it in uh, Lincoln. Lincoln was super loud, especially that first third down. So, again, if they're able to expect it, no problems in my opinion. Yeah, like, and I have a lot of, like, where where does my confidence come going into this game to pick OU to beat TCU after last week? How dare you? Just think OU is going to bounce back, cover the spread, and win on the road at an undefeated TCU team. Well, I'll tell you why. I actually think this, this offense, remember, put up some good offensive numbers last week. It wasn't perfect. I'm not saying that it was perfect or that it doesn't need to be better. But they put up offensive numbers against a good Kansas State defense, maybe even a really good Kansas State defense. This is not the TCU of old. In fact, TCU kind of feels flipped from where what they were during the heyday of the Gary Patterson era. This is not a defense that I worry about shutting you down on Saturday. They might have some success, but I think offensive success is going to be there for OU against this TCU defense. My yeah, big question, my big concern. Big flip. Big yeah, flip. Sonny yeah, Dykes. I, Sonny Dykes is about as far from Gary Patterson. Uh, you know, as there is. To me, it's about the OU defense. I mean, that's what it's about. Um, can they show any improvement from last week? And if they do, and if they show massive in- improvement from last week, then your final score prediction, Travis, might be right on. Because OU's had definitely a lot of success in Fort Worth since TCU joined the Big 12. What, the only time they've lost there, I guess, is uh, 2014. Like, this TCU game at times has been a get-right game for OU, so I... I, I don't know. History says that it's been a get-right game for OU, and I definitely think that that could be the case. Uh, again, coming up on Saturday at 11 a.m. David Hicks is going to announce in about 15 minutes. We're going to play that uh, announcement live for you. I am live at uh, Mitchell's Jewelry today. Travis is at in the 918. Keep it locked right here on The Rush. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. Davis Construction, bringing you this hour of The Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We will air that David Hicks five-star defensive lineman commitment coming up on ESPN2 here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. We are uh, It's almost time to see where the five-star defensive lineman is going to pick between OU and Texas A&M. I'm live at uh, Mitchell's Jewelry today here in Norman. We are doing a uh, diaper drive today, so if you're in the Norman Moore, Oklahoma City area, Come by and uh, drop off some donated diapers. We're trying to get to 2,500 today. I know the Ref Army, you guys are awesome. You are so giving. But the Ref is partnering with Mitchell's Jewelry to help the Center for Children's and Families today. If you're not in the metro area and you want to donate, that'd be awesome. CCFINorman.org. That's CCFINorman.org. Backslash donate and comment uh, baby pantry slash diapers. To the Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. Travis, this first one says, with everyone picking a tight game, I'm going to say OU bounces back in a big way. 55-17, says our buddy Doug Miles. Hey, well, I mean, Doug knows what's up. Uh, No doubt about that. So, um, yeah, I I do think, you know, you talk about against this defense, our offense should be able to get some of that game control, maybe give our defense some rest with the run game, things like that. Uh, yeah, you know, Doug, know, Doug knows what's up, man. Smart fella right there. Uh, TCU is more talented than K-State. If OU doesn't play a clean game, they will lose. 
I mean, I just, I mean, I agree with the last part of that. If OU doesn't play a clean game, they, they might lose. TCU more talented than Kansas State? Uh, I don't know how you want to look at it. I think Kansas State's the better team than TCU. I actually feel pretty good about that. And the matchup, I think the matchup for OU is a little bit more difficult. It, it, you can argue that it shouldn't be, and I'll hear that, but the matchup with Kansas State is more difficult for OU, clearly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say, um, again, to your point, the matchup is better. And Kansas State, I mean, we know, I mean, I'm, say, I'm comfortable saying they've got the better coach. Um, they've got the better top-end talent. I mean, Deuce Vaughn's one of the best players in the country. Uh, and also, again, it wasn't Kansas State's talent that beat it, beat us a lot of the time. Um, it was uh, their discipline or our lack of discipline uh, with pre-snap penalties and things like that. So it's not like Kansas State just went out there and they're like, oh, man, this is just a team like, man, we've not seen this type of talent across the ball from us. That's that's not what did it. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping Dylan Gabriel improves and is more consistent this year. If not, is there a chance we'll see another quarterback like Bevel or Evers? Is Jackson Arnold the starting quarterback in 23 or 24? Would love to know both your thoughts on the quarterback situation over the next few years. Thanks, and Boomer. Uh, there is a 0% chance that Dylan Gabriel is benched for Bevel or Evers this year. Is Jackson Arnold the starting quarterback in 23 or 24? I would say I actually feel pretty good that Dylan Gabriel will be playing college football next year. I think Gabriel's your starter in 23, and Arnold's probably your starter in 24, would be my guess. I, I would agree with that assessment. I am not a big fan of putting freshmen in uh, at quarterback, true freshmen in. Uh, I think it, it's a disservice to them. Uh, I, I think you want to let them sit and learn behind uh, the the older guy, and I think – if Dylan stays, which I do think he will, um, barring just an insane second half of the season, um, I, I, th- I think that's what you hope for. I think you hope for Dylan staying, get some more stability for that another year in the second year of Brent Venables, and then Jackson Arnold, you know, competing for the job and, and some would say probably winning it. The 620 area code says, good God, people are losing their minds over one loss, calling for Gabriel's job. Come on, man. Again, it's, it's like what we said on the postgame show, Travis. We acknowledge that Dylan Gabriel has to be better. And I think you can have it both ways here. I think you can say Dylan Gabriel's got to be better. Some of those simple throws that he's missing on, he's got to complete those. But at the same time, in no way was that loss Saturday on him. No way. Well, and They, they no, had good enough offensive numbers to win. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. With the with the Gabriel slander, um, it's – I don't know if you've ever heard of the streetlight effect, um, but it basically goes something like this. Uh, you know, like a, a, a cop is walking, sees a drunk man searching for something under a streetlight and asks what the drunk has lost. Um, he says, I lost my keys, and they both look under the streetlight together, right? Well, after a few minutes, the cop asks, hey – you know, are you sure this is where you lost him? And the drunk replies, uh, well, this is where the light is. I, let, I lost him in the park, but this is where the light is. So the, the idea is this observational bias where people just look where it's easiest to look, and that's where they claim the problem is, right? Even though it could be the defense, it could be the pre-snap penalties, it's really easy to blame it on the guy with the ball in his hands. 
And yeah. that's what people are doing. They're saying, oh, it's a loss. Well, it's got to be on the quarterback because that's who I see with the ball in his hands every single offensive play. So it's got to be his. And then somebody walks up and says, oh, is this is this why we lost? And you say, well, no, but this is where the light is. TCU being the game before Texas can create troubles. It may be really tough, but I pick OU to win by 10. Well, why, why does that have to be trouble? Like, I, I understand the meaning there. You think that it's kind of a look-ahead situation there, but OU's got nothing to look ahead to after last week's performance. Like, if you felt that way, then I think that last week's game should erase all of that doubt. Like, there can right. no – like, this we, team can't afford to have Kansas a look-away State, game now. If I think if we blow out Kansas State, then, yes, the, the look-ahead is real. I agree with you, Tyler. Sure. Yeah, but this, but you can't look this team cannot loss. afford – they can't do it now. I mean, everything you're you're on the you're on the edge now, right? Um, maybe even potentially forget the college football playoff. A spot in the Big Twelve Championship game like, is at risk if you don't win this game. So there is zero excuses why this team would look ahead to Texas and not be really focused and play well this week. And I just I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think this team will be locked in. Um They'll be ready to go. All right, David Hicks uh, set to announce in about five minutes, so here's what we're going to do. We'll take a break. On the other side, we'll have that live on ESPN2. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Well, uh, set 3.35, but the announcement was made at about 3.32, and uh, there's no other way to say it. I'm shocked. It sounded like it was OU all the way. I don't know what happened at the 11th hour, but David Hicks just committed to Texas A&M. Six foot four, 275 pound defensive lineman picks AM over OU today out of Katy, Texas. And uh, I, I mean, anyone who listened to us for about the past 90 minutes, Travis, can see that we were wrong on this one. I, I can't believe that we're wrong on, on this one. I did not see this coming. Yeah, it was, there was only one way that AM was going to prevail in this, and it was going to be a an offer that. David Hicks could not refuse. This had been all OU since the party in the palace. Uh, he'd moved up his date, everything about it. Um, family was on board with OU. Everybody was on board with OU. Uh, A&M gets uh, a Zoom call, a couple Zoom calls back-to-back nights where they basically say, hey, we're going to give you all this money. And, uh, you know, he's a teenager. He's, he's going to make yeah. these calls. So. This is a gut punch, man. Yeah, this is a gut punch. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Now, I'll say what nobody wants to hear right now. You're still going to have a really good recruiting class without David Hicks, but this this was kind of the centerpiece to the entire class. I mean, he's the guy that you've been waiting on now for several, several years. This hurts, man. Um, I, I thought that there was definitely a clear path to the number two overall class. I don't know if that path is there now without David Hicks. And you can still close with Cecilia Kana and Peyton Bowen and some others, but it's going to be really hard for you to get to the number two or number three class. This is, um, man, OU's had some gut punches in recruiting here recently, Travis, but this is going to rank as one of the highest that we've seen in probably the past decade. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's no doubt, and unfortunately, that's uh, a lot of the reality of you know the NIL era. Uh, Oklahoma has been consistent 
in their pitch of, hey, look, come here, we'll develop you, we'll develop you as a person, as a player, and then you will make NFL money. Um, but, you know, we saw this with A&M's class last year, and we've seen it not to the extent of last year, but, um, you know, in Wilt Fong's story, he says his father will have to send back a big shipment of OU yep. gear purchased on Amazon. I mean, this was in the bag. They had shirts made. They were going to announce OU. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's this was decided it is it, late. Is it, I mean, it's basically what it is. This was decided really it, late. This like, was we'll, decided as late as could possibly be. I mean, he wasn't ordering A and M gear. I mean, he was he was wanting OU and A and M dropped a bag and you know it's hard for a kid that age to to turn down that amount of money but so yeah is what it is Woo man that one uh that one that one stings man it it there is no other way to say it um i don't know if you want to call it i'm not going to call it a huge setback for ou football recruiting but you definitely you definitely wanted David Hicks and you know the crystal balls aren't an exact scientific formula I mean we still are talking about 18 19 year old kids at the end of the day but the crystal balls they are pretty accurate for the most part especially when you're talking about guys like Steve Wilfong and Wilfong had his crystal ball in uh to OU for David Hicks Parker and Brandon both had their crystal balls in uh for OU to David Hicks and some others did around here locally as well so when we tell you that this was a big surprise, it's a big surprise. And it really happened late, and this, this has to be NIL-driven for Texas A&M. And I guess give them credit for that, but I still don't think OU needs to go all in, super heavy on NIL. Even with this loss, I'm not going to go that far. But A&M gets another defense, elite defensive line recruit with it. There's something. Yeah, and, and, and here's the thing. With – with that being said, I mean, uh, I keep on going back to the Marvin Hagler quote of, you know, you, you're not going to wake up at 5 a.m. and do road work if you slept in silk pajamas. You know, we still have no um, evidence. We have no proof that a team full of 18- and 19-year-old millionaires can win football games. A lot of them just lost to Appalachian State, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play out the rest of the year. Um, if this holds, Um and what the transfer portal looks like going out of College Station. But Boy, hey, this is a – It's within the rules, and, and, and they ponied up the bucks. So, yeah, know, can't be mad yeah, at the no. you got to be mad at the game. Yeah, hey, and, and uh, this is the worst time for this to ha- – I mean, it was never going to be a good time for this to happen, to lose out on a kid of this caliber. But um, a few days after your first loss of the season where you don't play well defensively, especially up front of the defensive line, you know, I, I do think that there were some OU fans out there ready to get over Saturday, and one of the big things that was going to help them do that is David Hicks, the best defensive line recruit that you've had in a while, committing to OU. So somehow this just rubs even more salt into the wound of what you experienced on Saturday. You know, and in the majority of the Brent Venables era up to this point has been, it's been great. It's been roses. Felt like good news story after good news story. This is a pretty tough four or five day stretch, um, and really the first one of the of the BV era. This this is going to be a tough one to get over. It is. Yeah, I think so. And it and it's it's going to be interesting because I'm still waiting. So 
So a lot of us are saying it, right? Like, you know, NIL this, NIL that. Jimbo's not admitting to it. I'm still waiting for the first actual recruit to say, man, it was just more money than I could turn down. I mean, because NFL players, um, they are, like, obviously they're paid to play football, right? So they're open and honest about, man, you know, I, I got a great offer, uh, so that's why I chose to take the contract and, and play there. You know, I get along with the coaches and everything, but, you know, they paid me, you know, a good amount of money. Well, I'm waiting for the first kid to say it. Like, I'm like in, uh, you know, Hicks told 247 last night that OU led. I mean, Hicks himself said OU led last night. Um, and, you know, the, the quotes again from this Will Fong, uh, this is Hicks' uh, words in the Will Fong um, report. Really just the coaching staff and just knowing Coach E and Coach Williams forever and Coach Fisher since the eighth grade, and it's really close to home. Yeah. Well, you've and known I, all those people. You've known all those people the whole time. You said you've known them since eighth grade, but yet OU led last night? Hmm. It's weird. Yeah. No, I, I think we all know what was going on here. And the take that's already on the text line and that we're going to continue to hear in the upcoming days is, well, this just shows you OU's got to be way more active in NIL. Like, that that, that take is going to be thrown out a ton. Like, we, we had gotten rid of it about three or four months ago with a strong recruiting class, but that's the reason why you lost out on David Hicks. People are going to continue to say that. And even if that's right, like, here's here's the issue, Travis, is you can up your NIL game if you're OU, and that's fine, but you're never going to up it to a level that Texas A&M does. But you can be no. more active in it. A&M just has more money th- than everyone else. And, and they're willing to spend more money when it comes to NIL than I think anyone in college football, not named the University of Texas at this point. So even if OU up their game in NIL, today may still happen because A&M's going to outbid everyone. Everyone, when it comes to this level of player. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, we've put together this entire class without being that you know, that bag. And if you look where A&M's class ranks right now, they're below Oklahoma's. There's uh, about 125 classes below what Oklahoma's doing, a lot of which are competing pretty heavily in NIL. So, again, this one stings. Of course it does. Absolutely it does. Um, But who knows? Maybe A&M is the, uh, you know, kind of the go and have fun a little bit before you're ready to settle down with a real football program take your life seriously and uh, go to the NFL. Maybe maybe it's that kind of situation where, you know, go have your fun, make your money, but, you know, we'll be here when you're ready to take things a little more seriously. Text line says, Rivals reporting that David Hicks told OU he was committing to the Sooners and he never informed them of his flip. Yeah, that's not going to go over very well. Tommy says, yes, money will sway these youngsters, but we get those guys that want to come to the Palace, hashtag Boomer. Uh, 918, A&M just got Hicks, going to get Bowen to Dang. This um, this totally revitalizes A&M's recruiting class because they were just inside the top 25, and for A&M to make a move into a top 10 class, they were going to have to get David Hicks today. And they did. They got David Hicks today. So A&M finally has some recruiting momentum that they haven't had all cycle, and let's see who they close with. But – yeah, man, I, I I think you would rather have David Hicks than Peyton Bowen, but just for, like, momentum, 
and like how good you feel on National Signing Day. And again, this is going to be a really good class. This this is still going to be the best defensive class up up and down the roster that OU signed in a long time. But I know no one wants to hear about that today. It's about David Hicks. But you're still going to have a really good class. It's just it would do a lot of good if you're able to close on a guy like Peyton Bowen and Cecilia Kana. Like that's it, it would make it at least feel a little bit better after losing David Hicks today. Yeah, you know, it, it'll make you feel good. And, of course, you know, it is it better to have uh, loved and lost than to have never loved at all, I guess, is the question, right? Is it, Would you have rather this come down to A&M in Texas and, you know, him choose A&M and we're just hanging out here still talking about TCU and then we end up with, you know, a top five class, you know, top six class, something like that? Would we have rather had that? Or would we rather have finished top two and been the bridesmaid instead of the bride? Obviously, a you know psychological experiment uh, that may be for another time. But you have to think of it like that as well. I mean, uh, you're in it. You're definitely in it in 2024 for a lot of elite defensive linemen. Um, and and keep in mind, if this staff that's been at A&M for a long time, you know, you can talk about a Kansas State loss for Oklahoma and how that affects recruiting. I mean, Jimbo has been at A&M a long time and is still losing to Appalachian State. Um, you know, if if these big-time big, big time paid defensive linemen, you know, aren't seeing the field or they're not winning or anything like that, it would be interesting to see kind of down the line. I don't think there's a coincidence that last year they had the highest rate of recruiting class of all time, and then this year, you know, they're they're struggling to win those, uh, win those battles when seemingly they're still spending the money. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, no doubt. But that one hurts. Uh, I, yeah, I, I gotta, we got an angry got text, text line right now. I got a text at three twenty one um, that said Hicks was uh, that Hicks was going to be an Aggie, and it was announced shortly after, obviously. But yeah, this was super late. Um, that's from somebody on the uh, well. Again, according to rivals, like to OU didn't even know OU didn't even know that he was gonna you know pick A and M today. Like he, he, they weren't they weren't told that. So. There's a lot of anger on the text line, and I understand it. This one hurts. There's no doubt. This is going to be a recruiting loss that we'll be probably talking about in 15 to 20 years if he sticks with A&M and ends up having a great career. But, uh, yeah, wow. Um, that's a tough little four-day stretch for, for OU for sure. Um, in the meantime, all right, we are doing a diaper drive today at Mitchell's Jewelry in Norman. The ref is teaming up with Mitchell's Jewelry to support the Center for Children's and Families. If you can come by to Mitchell's Jewelry here in Norman, and uh, we specifically need the following items, diaper size 5 and 6, and pull-up size 2T to 3T, 3T to 4T, and 4T to 5T. Also, you can bring by um, some unscented diaper wipes as well. Or if you're out of the metro area, yeah, you can donate online. CCFINorman.org. That's CCFINorman.org. Backslash donates. And then comment baby pantry and diapers. We've already had some ref listeners come by and donate some diapers, which is so kind. Isaac Morgan, who plays for Norman North, his grandmother came by, donated some diapers. So I know the ref army is a little upset right now with this decision, but they're still very caring. They're still very supportive. And uh, let, help us today get to our goal of uh, donating 2,500 diapers today. All right, more to come next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homo Sooner fans. It is the rush on The Ref. Oh, boy, David Hicks picks Texas A&M. I know. I'm uh, surprised about it, too. 
Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. We'll talk about it leading up until uh, 6 p.m. But real quick, we have Melissa, CEO for the Center of Children and Families. Melissa, thank you so much for coming by uh, Mitchell's Jewelry today. We're doing a diaper drive. We already have some people dropping off. Um, a question, though, for those people that are out there listening, they're not in the Norman Moore OKC area. They listen maybe in Texas or Louisiana, wherever. Where's the best place for them to donate online? Thank you so much, Tyler. So the best place to don- donate online is www.ccfinorman.org. Um, and you can go to our donate page and just put in the notes baby pantry or diapers. And we'll be sure that uh, your your donation goes towards the babies that need us most. And we uh, love donations, but no unopened boxes, correct? Correct. Yes. All boxes have to be sealed. Uh, same if you bring by formula or soap or wipes. Everything has to be in a sealed new container. And you'll take, you'll definitely take diapers. What are you specifically looking for though, we, today? We are looking for larger sizes, sizes five and six, and all pull-up sizes. Um, in addition, unscented baby wipes, uh, formula, and baby soap. Well, sorry that you had to witness that sad 15-minute segment. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was pretty sad. I thought we were going to have a happier day here today, but our goal is 2,500 diapers, so the Ref Army Uh, Please help us in doing so. Melissa, um, anything else that we need to know? That is incredible. We appreciate the Ref Army so much, and thank you so much for partnering with us. We are on track to give away almost 65,000 diapers to babies right here in our community this year, and um, it's thanks to donations from generous listeners like yours. That's awesome. She's the CEO for Center of Children and Families. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, Travis, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, of course, your uh, shock level 20 minutes after David Hicks picks A&M over OU. My shock level is about a six, I feel. And I know that probably comes six? in kind of low. But, yeah, it, it would have been um, – it probably would have been closer to eight or nine before the last couple days. Uh, I had some conversations that A&M was obviously getting back into it. There was a large offer on the table. Um, we knew the family – was still on board with OU based on the relationship with Bates. And, and he, don't get it twisted, he moved up this commit, his commitment date to commit to OU. Uh, but that had, had A&M scrambling a bit and, and uh, making some calls to some BMDs, I imagine. Um, but, yeah, once, uh, you know, once I had heard that, I started to kind of hedge a little bit and, you know, talk to more and more people and, yeah, I mean there there are there are a lot of OU shirts that have to be returned and a lot of OU hats that have to be returned because the family was all on board and the, yeah. you know I've been getting the question um you know do we continue to pursue him what does this mean for um you know his uh official visit that's supposed to take place at Bedlam you know here's the thing you never want to burn bridges during the portal era uh, there's no doubt about that but I can't imagine Todd Bates especially and Brent Venables especially are too happy with one uh, DJ Hicks right now who did not tell them that, you know, he was he was flipping. And he, um, you know, told them that he would commit to OU. He was going to be a Sooner because of his relationship with Todd Bates um, and basically just uh, did the full heel turn. I can't imagine uh, – I can't imagine we'll we'll pursue him now that he's yeah made his priorities. Clear. No, I, I I agree. Like the way that it was handled, right? Because reportedly, like, OU did not know. Like the decision was flipped, 
late last night, early this morning, one of the two. And David Hicks, apparently, according to rivals, did not tell the OU staff that he was picking A&M today. And I'm, I'm going to guess that the OU staff probably figured out about 10 to 15 minutes before the announcement the way the rest of us found out, too. So that's not going to sit well with the staff. I'd be um, – yeah, and like you said, not that they're going to shut down all communications, but, I, yeah, I just don't think that they're going to be just willing to welcome him back with open arms. And, again, like, he obviously picked – not obviously, but there's a thought that he picked A&M because of the NIL money. Like, that's not going away. If he picked A&M because of the NIL money, I guess I have a hard time, Travis, thinking that he's all of a sudden going to say, no, I don't want to want the money. I'm going to go to OU now. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and and that's why I laugh at, uh, you know, at the, at the quotes in Wilt Fong's, you know, report. Oh, it's just the relationship with the coaches. Really? You didn't have those relationships with the coaches, uh, you know, the last couple months when you uh, told all the OU coaches you were coming to us? Hmm. Don't, I mean, don't treat us like we're stupid. <laughs> yeah. All right. Woo, boy, tough news for OU football on the recruiting front. Still got the number six overall class in the country. If that helps anyone, going to guess it probably doesn't. This one stinks today. Uh, the rest rolls on. Keep it locked right here on the ref. We're the almost Sooner fans.